Greetings, friends. Welcome back to another very special episode of the Film Alchemist Podcast. I am your host, Josh Griffey, here for a brief introduction before today's very special episode. Guys, it's official. Your friends here at the Film Alchemist are on Patreon. That's right. Patreon.com slash Film Alchemist Pod. For as little as a dollar a month, guys, you can help us deliver the show that you want and deserve. It does mean the world to us, guys. I assure you, every single dollar counts. Um, you can get in for as little as a dollar a month. Venture around, see our community, meet some of our awesome patrons that we already have. And as you go up the Highlander tier ranking system, you can actually select the films that you specifically want us to discuss in a patron-exclusive library. Again, guys, that's patreon.com slash filmalchemistpod. Thank you so much to those of you who already help us out, and thank you as well to those of you who are about to. I assure you, Alex and I appreciate all of your love. Make sure to go to YouTube, subscribe to our channel, Film Alchemist, to see video versions of most of our pods there, as well as other fun videos we come up with from time to time. Always working on new ideas. Email the show, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. Find us on all the social media you're on. We're very easy to get a hold of, and we love to hear from you guys, so reach out anytime. Also, make sure you leave us a five-star rating and review wherever you find us. Help us defeat the algorithmic overlords that try to oppress the alchemist party. <laughs> oh, right. Enough of that business, right? Patreon.com slash pod. Just kidding. Last one. I swears it. All right, guys. Today, we're returning uh, to the to, to the long box sessions, the, the birth of Alex and I as a podcasting duo, our old comic book show. And near the end of the run, you could see that we were getting more and more into films. Uh, so we were doing a lot of comic book themed movies. And Alex and I both agree that one of our all time favorite comic book movies is Batman Returns. It's a really fascinating movie. It's somewhat a, a three hander, right? Because I would argue it's far more the Penguin and Catwoman's movie than it is Batman. He almost appears just as this kind of century in the dark atop Gotham. Gives him something to work against. But not a wildly in-depth Batman look. But the origins of Catwoman and Penguin and, and their turns, right? Michelle Pfeiffer and Danny DeVito in kind are just stunning. And I remember seeing it as a kid and it scared me, but it drew me in and uh, Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman is like a sediment layer, right? Where the meteor hit that killed the dinosaurs in my mind. That was a, a very important moment to young Josh Griffey. But I remember seeing that Batman. There's something extra magical about it, right? Through the darkness and all that. That's what I took away is there, there is some kind of magic in so much of the things that I love most about comic books and movies and specifically even Batman in the world of Gotham are really wonderfully highlighted in Batman Returns, which is a really unique comic book movie and its vibe and presentation so i'll always appreciate that it's fun to go back and hear young alex and i banter about this movie we love so much so again film alchemist uh are on patreon that's patreon.com slash film alchemist pod i'm sorry i can't help myself like max shrek i lied and i don't care all right without further ado batman What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Long Box Sessions. I'm your host, Alex Dandino. And I'm Josh Grivy. As always, rate, review our show, please, for the love of God. We it's a good dramatic pause there. desperately need. <laughs> the weight of hosting a podcast was finally Maybe down. finally we'll get some ratings and reviews for it. I don't Guys, know. help us out, man. Just some stars, a couple sentences. Yeah. It we're even we're even really trying. Uh, we're expanding our network a little bit. We're available on Spotify now, and I believe iHeartRadio. So uh, if you can't find Stitcher or you don't like um, iTunes, then uh, do you want to be the Spotify's guy that missed thing. the next Lost? Keeping up with the Kardashians, uh, eating Tide detergent pods. Do you want to be the guy that missed oh, the trend? <laughs> Just keep it rolling there. <laughs> I, I can't address that. Uh, this is uh, another episode, uh, another experimental long box and chill. Uh, as we've said, uh, we are taking it back a little bit on the chill 
Or the long. More chill, More chill less, less long. long. That's uh, what we're yeah, on. the RoboCop response was great. Yeah. Uh, so I think this is how we're going to do them from now on. We I always so. are excited to share movies with you guys. Um, this feels like the most manageable yeah. uh, way to do this. That way you guys are getting it. Hopefully this uh, helps you with your commute and is condensed to your commute, I hope. Some of you have shorter. Mine is like seven minutes for work. So <laughs> I don't know. But either way... Uh, it's always fun to talk about movies on the show. So we'll let you kick it off. This is uh, your choice. This is yeah. My choice this week was uh, the 1992 Juggernaut, Batman Returns, the sequel to the 1989 Juggernaut, Batman. Yeah. Uh, reprising the role of Batman, Michael Keaton, mm-hmm. and uh, this was I think this might have been also the first movie I saw two villains. I was like, whoa! I remember seeing the poster and being like. Two villains, huh? Well, there was always like Lex Luthor and Otis. That's true, I guess. And Otis. But I was, I was, o- that was older than <laughs> Otis I. is of equal magnitude. It's like <laughs> that. The Superman movies, though, this was the one that this is the, this is the one I saw in the theater. So like that That's was true. Always, that oh was yeah, because the no, there was a uh, the gang of Kryptonians. Yeah, there's like you that know, was, you remember the first time you're like, well, yeah, that, that was like. What's weird though, I think Superman I, might not make it out of this. I one. think I saw Batman Returns before I saw that Superman movie. Did you really? Yeah, because that was like something I had to find on tape. That's true. You remember, we grew up in an era where you didn't just like, oh, let's turn on Netflix. And well, the find video store was the thing, man. Like, you go to the yeah. video store, you get one select, and that's you know that's what you grab. Yeah. Actually, mine was uh, uh, we didn't we didn't do Blockbuster, Hollywood Video, or even Family Video. We went to um, our friend, my friend, his dad ran a grocery store called Kenley's in Noblesville. Mm-hmm. And we always went with their selection. I used to do the grocery store tapes, too. Grocery store Until tapes. Until Videoland opened. Uh, which yes. was the shit, but then I wasn't allowed to wander freely because we pushed the saloon doors open. Right. And we're just, we porn. got lost in the porn. My yeah, mom yeah. was like looking for a John Travolta movie, I'm sure. And then all of a sudden, like, where's my children? Oh, they're in the porn room yeah. with this like really weird, creepy guy. <laughs> that was a family video had the saloon doors, too. That was my place. Always, that was the spot in college because it was right yeah. next to campus. Why make the porn room look so enticing? Like, yeah. You can't put a saloon. Don't put cool saloon Even doors Even to this there. day as an older person, if I see saloon doors, I'm walking through them. Oh, for sure. Everywhere. Without it's question. awesome. Yeah. Everyone wants to walk through a saloon door. There's never a time you don't feel great walking through a saloon yeah. doors. Uh, but yeah, this one I saw. I remember seeing this one in the theater. Mm-hmm. I remember why I remember watching on VHS. This is definitely one of my favorite Batman movies. I was not allowed to see it in theaters. Really? Yeah. My mom Wait, saw the uh, the trailer. Maybe I didn't. She saw the trailer with Michelle Pfeiffer, and she was like, no. Maybe I didn't she see it She immediately equated the Michelle Pfeiffer thing to sex. I wonder if my mom... Mom, if you listen to the show, tell me if I saw this in the theater. <laughs> I don't remember now. Shit. Because if your mom didn't let you see it in the theater, there's my no way My mom was hardcore. Like, I couldn't see this. I couldn't see uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. Because she, uh, she was afraid it was pulling me too far away from the Jesus meaning of Christmas. Oh, God. There were, like, a lot of rules like that. My mom saw there was an animated movie with singing. She's like, let's go see that. Yeah. Like, okay, no. cool. I remember my mom was pissed when I got taken to Hocus Pocus for my birthday movie <laughs> by my grandmother, who was a psychic uh, and, like, had all the occult stuff. Hey, man. Like, she was into that, and my mom thought they were, like, conditioning me. Tis what it is. <laughs> but, yeah, so she saw this. And thought the Michelle Fiverr thing was just grotesque sexuality, and it would warp my little mind. And she was right. She was 100% <laughs> right. Yeah. She was 100% I right. I gotta say, I think Michelle Pfeiffer, <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer is a... Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman might be one of my... Might have been one of my first sexual experiences, so... Uh, thank you for that. Uh, yeah, I... We recently rewatched this. Like, I watched it a couple of times, actually. We watched it once, and then I watched it a couple more times just because I hadn't seen it in a while, and yeah. I was trying to catch all the new things, and... This movie is like iconically feminist. I yeah. gotta tell, I gotta tell That's you. That's your takeaway? That's my takeaway is that Michelle Pfeiffer is Catwoman, while she might be in like an outfit that apparently reportedly she lasted like fifteen minutes at a time in, like she could not handle it. Uh she is like uniquely She's uniquely anti-man, anti-don't put me in a corner. Like she is intense in the To this be movie. fair, she is surrounded by horrible men. True. But <laughs> Her reaction to them is like, I'm going to kill all you bitches. That's her, yeah. her whole thing. I mean, I feel like I would have the same reaction. If I would hope so. Someone threw me out of a window. That's pretty really cool. high up. But like, the, also the cool thing about it, so it's, to me, it's that. I think it's like the iconic feminist movie of the decade. But I also think this is like next to Edward Scissorhands. And I think this is how he got to do Edward Scissorhands. Peak Tim Burton. Yeah. Like 
Edward Scissorhands came immediately after this because he really wanted to do Edward Scissorhands, but he did not want to do another Batman movie. Right. And they're like, if you do another Batman movie, because we made a fuck ton of money doing the first one, if you do the second one, we'll let you go do your little art house movie. Right. Which ended up being like one of the most iconic movies of the 90s. But. Yeah. It's a strange one. Um, This one to me is weird. In Batman, the Batman pantheon, right? To me, I was thinking a lot about this. I could make an argument with myself that this is my favorite Batman movie. Interesting. But I think it's one of the worst portrayals of Batman. Yes. That's a weird dynamic to me. Like what I, what I take away from this movie. And I think when you mean peak Burton, right? Like one of the things Burton does so well is he creates these visual playgrounds Yeah. in this movie. I just love this Gotham city and I love these villains, right? Like it's, it's so put together to be, insanely unbelievable but Mm -hmm. it just works right it's like it's like watching an insane carnival staging of a superhero show right and as a young kid that permeated me right like this is how i imagine gotham more often than not right like i don't imagine it as like nolan's like gleaming chicago real city like i think of it in tim burton right no the giant statues and the faces and i mean the tim uh, burton being mutated like all of these things dramatically informed uh, my journey with Batman moving on. Oh, totally. I mean, and I think the Tim Burton of it all informs so much of what the 90s brought us from Batman. Like, the Schumacher movies aside, like, the most important aspect of the 90s Batman is definitely the animated series. Not and, neons and nipples? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry, fans, my bad. <laughs> but, like, this is where the animated series got kind of its legs, was, like, they saw that movie and they saw what gothic batman could do kind of and they really went and ran with it and also there's a lot of aesthetics from this version of gotham city and this version of like it's a time it's like a it's a city that's caught in between time periods like people are still wearing hats and overcoats but at the same time they're also driving fucking mercedes and shit like that like they're like things are still reasonably updated but there's still a lot of old-timey like serialized stuff going on that carries over from what I thought was had a lot to do with the 89 movie too. Cause mm-hmm. the 89 movie had a lot of the aesthetic as well. Like there's a soundtrack by Prince, but everyone wears a top hat. The weird thing with the 90 or the, the first Burton movie, right? Is that it still somewhat feels rooted in a real world. Yeah. Right. Like I, I agree with you costuming. It kind of has like a prohibition era look to mm-hmm. the costuming big time. Um, you know, Nicholson's playing more of like that scar gangster, right? Yeah. This one feels so much like pulled in the direction of more of a fairy tale, right? Oh, for sure. Um, this Gotham becomes so much more absurd. All the aspects of it design. Works. All the yeah. aspects, like, you haven't gotten full-blown, like, because by the time you get to Schumacher, like, he's putting, oh, yeah. he's putting sconces of, like, naked guys just everywhere just because, like, why not? This is Gotham City. But... Like when we were watching it, like we watched it together, mm-hmm. and I remember us. There's a, uh, there's like a back, there's a back alley, and for absolutely no reason, there's just this edifice, this wall of just a guy's face, like giant, like face. a giant face, and you're like, wow, those giant faces, though. See, I I take this. I actually uh, often diddle around trying to like come up with my Batman stories. Right? right, that's like the dream I think for everyone who loves comics and wants to write a comic is to do Batman. Right, and those faces, I never realized it until we watched it together. Those faces have completely shaped my entire Batman mindset, right? Mm-hmm. What Tim Burton does, yeah, like, there's just an alley, and where there should be a dumpster, there's a gigantic fucking 10-foot-tall sculpted face. Yeah. Right? And they're all kind of bland, though. They're not, they don't look like anyone. They're not beards or no. anything like that. They're just these generic fucking faces. They're just faces. these generic Roman faces. And as you look, they're all over that fucking movie, right? Oh, for sure. That movie is littered with those giant faces. What it does to me is that it personifies gotham right it gives it turns gotham into something that's almost it it's this weird stage for all of these fucking tragedies yeah and it's as if gotham is watching unmoved right gotham is constantly creating i think that gotham is this fucking i I once thought of it as like this just like you know it's almost like the the queen and alien right it's Mm -hmm. just this disgusting fucking place that just breeds monsters right you know gotham is a tomb on our world Right. Um, it's it's insane, right? So you you watch it and you're like, what the fuck? But the the idea of Gotham watching these little people hovering over these people, becoming 
a breeding ground for these specific people, right? right. I think that's an important takeaway from Gotham. Hundred percent. Right? Like Metropolis doesn't have that. If you watch Superman, Metropolis is just a city, right? Almost every other superhero, short of Spider-Man, it doesn't matter where they're yeah. at. I think short of like, I mean, Marvel's different because Marvel really does. Marvel, Marvel really does take New York City as like an extra character. Like, but see, to me, only Spider-Man really utilizes. I'd say Daredevil that. as well. He he talks a lot about Hell's Kitchen, but to me, it's not as intrinsic. Like Spider-Man mm. is the most like. I'm a real New Yorker. Everything involving Spider-Man, Spider-Man's important. Pretty much any of the street level heroes have a lot to do with the intrinsic value of what it is to be in New York. Right. But I think, yeah. But Gotham stands alone as the most interesting and important comic book city to me. Yeah, no, for sure. And Burton captures that amazingly well. Gotham's incredibly unique in that. You're right. Like everything about the characters that we see going forward in those movies is informed by the story mm-hmm. like or informed by the by the city itself like the way gotham is presented in the first one is a little more urban so you get these kind of like scarfacey mickey spillane well, i don't i don't think guys. they i don't think they went for it in that one that Not one they much. were still presenting their first face right. right you're still presenting your first face but what i'm saying and is like he said burton's like i want to get back to like making burton movies i think this was his like let's see how fucking far i can push for this sure thing. and that's exactly <laughs> what it was like I think the first one, though, like, as he pushed about as far as he could. But there's a lot of this Mickey Spillane vibe going through that first one. This one, he's like, fine, I can't go make Edward Scissorhands. I'm going to bring that motherfucker here. And you're going to see exactly what you signed up for. And he made a movie that is uniquely Tim Burton. Doesn't do a great job with what Batman is, but still makes a really digestible Batman movie. But this is always been one of Batman's strengths, right? Is that he has the best rogues gallery. Oh, for sure. To me, this is a penguin movie. Oh, definitely. That also has the rest of it, right? To me, Batman in this movie, I was thinking back on this. I don't know. It's been about a week since I watched this again for the show. What is like the Batman moment of that movie? Can you think of one? I mean, not really. I mean, he unmasked himself to Catwoman at one point. And I was that's, like, that's more of a Bruce Wayne. Yeah, vibe. that's just stupid. That's kind of dumb. I, yeah, like, it's a great scene, but at the, like objectively, a great scene in a movie. But you're like, I, I know what it is actually. It's when he he uses the CD ROM as a DJ or CD. <laughs> wiki, wiki. That is absolutely Batman. I, that's how you know I'm old as fuck. I call it a CD ROM. <laughs> I don't think like I agree, and this is like the first time too. This is also the first movie like. I guess the first Batman did it too, but this is the first movie that had two villains, and this is the first movie where you saw the villains being the star of the show. Like it's the yeah. villain that carries the flick, and like, and obviously Jack Nicholson can do that on his own. Like he right. didn't need a fucking makeup or anything. He could have just done the Joker as Jack Nicholson, and you still would have watched that movie. This is the first time, like Danny DeVito, to that point, was a great character actor, and he was famous from like Taxi and One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest, but he was not. This like and I guess at that point he had done a lot of twins. Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. He done twins, yeah. But he was Throw not off the train or whatever. he was not a, <laughs> he was not the fucking star of the show. Like there were things like Billy Crystal's the star of fucking Throw Mama from the Train. You know, like you see these movies where he's in, but he fucking steals it in this movie. To me, it's actually still my favorite Danny DeVito movie. By far, like I, you could say, like Always Sunny is probably like the best Danny DeVito. It's probably the best Danny DeVito, but he's just being like Danny DeVito. Now it's just become absurd. But yeah, I fucking love the the whole thing. I I love this absurd opening, right? Like there's yeah. this insane opulence to that family, right? We have everything going for us. They're the Waynes, but in reverse, right? right. Well, the- whereas Bruce is take his parents are taken from him, right? Right. Like wealthy this and that. Gotham takes the parents, right? This is the exact opposite. This is parents just like. Uh, you're kind of a bummer. <laughs> like, kid, you're kind of a bummer. Uh, you ate our cat. That yeah. was probably like a $20,000, like, special bred cat. Right. And they just look at him like, not for me. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's exactly. A, and there is that scene of them just throwing him out of there. And that's the thing. It's just classic Burton in this. What this movie does really well, too, is it creates a cold. Yeah. Like, there are a couple movies you watch that just make you feel fucking Everything cold. in this movie is cold. And this this movie was so we watched it right around Christmas time. It's so fucking perfect in that regard. But I just love that opening of the family. They even try to get like the very special expensive stroller yeah. and everything, and they just can't take it and they just fucking chuck him, right? Also But Paul, they can't get their also, hands dirty. Nice nice Paul Rubens cameo. Have yeah. to throw that in there. <laughs> but yeah, they can't get their hands dirty yeah. or anything. It's just like this, you know, it's such an interesting, but it's the exact 
inversion of the Waynes, right? It's now it's the parents who throw they give their kid to Gotham, right? Gotham takes Bruce's parents, they're giving Gotham their baby. Right. And he is absorbed into the bowels of Gotham essentially and returns as this fucking monster. But the scene in the movie I love the most, the absolute fucking most. Uh, maybe not. There's a lot of great scenes, but I love when he goes and visits his parents' grave. Oh, it's great. It's unbelievable. It's amazing. It's shot so well. It It's just like, there's just these great shots with the cross and like he's having this holy yeah. experience. And then he turns and he does these like, you know, you imagine like he thinks he's like this Shakespearean, like I was one of you in the it's upper crust. Super, it's very. But it has like this trashy like dock worker kind of tone to it his like so, his soliloquy <laughs> in general like that whole thing he's like like his whole a shiny flipper like that whole thing is just so it's kind of beautiful like you're like this is a guy like and obviously you know there's like this sinister undertone to it yeah. but at the same time you're like these people are dumb enough to believe that this guy is like not got some fucking horrible idea See, I love what they do that, too, with these people, right? Is they turn us into these disgusting fucking parasites, which we are. Is like, if the Penguin emerged today from, like, the sewers of L.A., like, we'd all be there. Like, he'd be on every fucking show, every YouTube star would try to get a video with him. Yeah. Not knowing that he's about to, like, murder a bunch of people. Eventually, he'd become, the, pre- that, eventually right? he'd become the president, and, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you look like a melted fucking Swish. circus peanut. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> Political. No. So you're just like, <laughs> yeah, like their obsession with him, right? Without any, any fucking care, right? Is, is fascinating in that film to me, yeah. right? Like to the point where they even push the penguin to be, run for politics, right? And to me, that's kind of where the, they start to lose a bit of the penguin thread. There's this weird, it feels like they're just like, how do we get him from this monster penguin we made into like more of the classic penguin outfit look? Well, uh, and umbrellas and right. shit. Well, they do but that. There is still this cool subplot of the fucking disgusting, sycophantic nature of well, people who are fame suckers. Well, and like I think that. that's, I mean, that's what's great about Christopher Walken's character. Like Christopher Walken plays Max Shrek, who's this. Industri- three villains. Three villains. You're in right. This there's three. Movie. Jeez, you're right. Yeah. Max Shrek also has, he wears gloves the entire time. It annoys the crap out of me. <laughs> it's like the most like. I sent you a photo yesterday of um, the music meister from there's an episode of uh, Justice League where they get like transported to another dimension. And I'm like, that's where they pulled that look from. But like he has like uh, just he has gloves on the whole time. He has this amazing wig they gave him like that hair is fucking unbelievable. What a palette Christopher Walken must be to work. (laughs) He's just so it's one of those great. And that's like how we get Selena Kyle is a. She's his. She's a secretary, basically, mm-hmm. put in this like lowly, uh, this painted in this sort of like lowly feminine, like oh no, you know, what was me? Yeah. I'm, I'm a screw up kind of thing. Now, I think as you go off on this though, right? Like whereas I see it as a penguin movie, you always latch on to the Catwoman. Like that's what you were really into when we talked about it. Like I was because it was, it was probably the I don't know maybe the first time I really noticed how much how amped, and maybe it's because of the times we're living in right now, but like. She is a fucking powerhouse in that flick, man. And look, no one can beat Danny DeVito on charisma. Like, he really is just like, that movie... I don't know, man. Michelle Pfeiffer pours it out of the screen on you in this one. She does. He, But he, I mean, he's so good. But He has no sex appeal and does it, so that's impressive. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, there's a lot of sex appeal going on with Michelle Pfeiffer. Maybe if you're like Stormy Daniels. But there's... Hey, politics! Politics! (laughs) There's three there's three scenes she has that are like inherently like they're like I don't know how to put it without it sounding sexist, so I'm just gonna say it. Uh no I'm not. <laughs> I love that. This is gonna sound horribly offensive in no, the there's, there's three like key scenes for me, which is one, the first when she comes back to her apartment after she got thrown out the window. Like mm-hmm. she's basically finally Holy fuck. She's got she's been thrown off the deep end, literally. So she gets back into her apartment and she goes through this routine she did earlier. Which she is has like, this kind of disgustingly pink apartment. Yeah, she has like this really sad cat lady routine she does. Ha ha. It's but so fucking gross, that apartment. It is. It's horrible. And, like there's neon everywhere. Oh. It's really weird. But so she has this really kind of sad little single woman, single woman in the city routine she does. And she comes back after she's been tossed out this window and she's clearly fucked. Like she's like not just concussed literally, but like she is gone. Well, she should be murdered. Yeah, she I mean, should be she dead. She falls like a hundred. She stories. falls like she 
she should be gone. Like, there's no question. She survived for a reason. Well, if this wasn't a movie, yeah, she would literally She'd just be, be Campbell's soup yeah. on the pavement. She'd like, be a splat. But she's not. No. And then she's swarmed by cats. So she That's a start... weird thing in this movie. Do the cats... The cats are there already. Are the cats... But they, like, swarm her. But they remember? really start to... It's almost as if they're, like transferring wives into her right well like, that's the thing are like, the cats the source of her when she power starts nibble, when she starts getting nibbled on and stuff like that it's this weird it i think that's what's it really reeks of zombies well what's really i agree cat zombies. but i think what's really our buddy has a dead body cat he does i would never let that th- yeah who yam oh yeah he does he has a white cat yep. its owner died by the time they found it he'd been munching on his owner for like a week and oh. i was like you took that fucking thing into your home that's Pet Cemetery written all Like, over. by the time you've eaten human flesh, like you can't come in. I don't care if you're like Anthony Bourdain. I'm like, sorry, you got to get the fuck out. Yeah. You just can't be around me once you've eaten human so flesh. So she goes back to her house. She starts going through the routine again. Like, clearly, she's, like, really sloppy. Like, she's dumping milk everywhere. She's a zombie. But here's the thing that brings her back. And, like, because that's what you think is, like, oh, she's just going to be a she's fucking kinda vegetable. She's kind of pasty. Yeah. She looks like Sally up. from Nightmare Before Christmas. And she's literally just, like, giving the, like, she's even delivering her lines, like, uh, yes. Then she does the routine where she hits her messages. And this is in the age of answering machines. For all you kids out there, we used to leave messages for people on little boxes in our <laughs> next to our phones. Do you remember calling people and just being like, God damn, I hope I get that machine? Yeah. I remember... <laughs> I remember calling people and being like, pick up. I know you're there. Pick up. Oh, I was the opposite. I was just like, every time I got answered, she's like, fuck yeah. So <laughs> she goes there and she starts listening to her messages, like a couple from her mother, like that whole thing. Then there's an ad that had played earlier, which is for like a perfume ad. And this is how people used to like, rather than being like viral marketing, people used to just call you and be like, hey, do you like this? It's an ad for the perfume. And the line that sets her off is she's like, if you wear this to the office, your boss is going to ask you to stay afterwards for a candlelight dinner and who knows, maybe drinks. And she fucking loses it, throws the milk, goes crazy, ape shit, and then she makes the fucking costume. But therein lies the subtext of the whole also, scene. Also, like, gutting teddy bears and putting yeah. them in the disposal. Like, like, she goes nuts, man. But And, like, spray painting her dollhouse. That's what I mean. It's this attack. Like, why the fuck does a grown woman still have a dollhouse? It's nothing more than why do you force little girls to play with right. a dollhouse to me, right? It's just everything in that apartment is like an icon of what we tell oh, women yeah. they have she to be. She has like but like think and think about like her <laughs> wardrobe too. Like she goes in, she starts spray painting the walls and she like uh spray paints like kitty t shirts and shit like that. And the one thing she grabs is this like just sexy leather jacket that's been boxed and like housed underneath mm-hmm. all this shit. It's this awesome subtext. It's amazing visual subtext. What she is, right? Besides the obvious pet cemetery. What you throw out the window ain't what comes back, right? That's what Judd would be saying. No, it's true. It's exactly (laughs) what it is. She for sure does. What she is, she's literally the Pandora's box, right? Like once you break that seal, Right. right? And what they did, Shrek pushed her too far and then she heard the ad, right? Right. The seal is fucking broken. What's coming out? The fucking righteous fucking rage of all of femininity yeah no it's exactly <laughs> it's, what it is when you it's when at first i was like that feels like man. a stretch but then when we watched it, i was like fuck yeah dude like it's it's, it's there there's there like she hears <laughs> that message and she's like never fuck that and tosses that milk and she's like i will show you all what it is she never meets a good man in almost that entire movie absolutely there's a scene when she finds the two security guards and like haha can't walk little mama or whatever yeah, they, like they it's like some like weird they like, like cat collar and she's like mm, fine and that just used to be a thing up. that was in every movie like construction workers or whatever yeah. just guys to like say horrible things to yeah. sexy women but like everyone she meets danny devito and the penguin are obviously bad Bruce Wayne's obviously pretty fucked up. Yeah. Like, when he first meets her, he just is punching her in the face a lot. Yeah. Like, that's a bad start to any relationship. But you know what's um, awesome? Granted, she is, like, this in horrible that, zombie. In that great fight scene, though, <laughs> she he, like, hits her and she goes, how could you? I'm a woman. And I'm like, fucking genius, this woman. Like, <laughs> she's, like, luring him in, then she just stabs him. The throwback to Nicholson. You want to hit a guy with glasses? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's great. I, I, I pine for... That's where I'd like America. I don't want to make America great again, but I would like to go back to where, as a society, we just had the decency. Like, you would never hit a guy with glasses. That's going to cost him bucks. <laughs> back when we called him books. You right. know, like, that was a nice ideal. Like, we need more of that in our society. But, <laughs> so, that whole thing happens, though. And then, the next scene that you, like, really... So, she shows back up. You know up. what? The only good man she meets is Alfred. Oh, for sure. You know why he's a good man? 
because he's he's forced to do traditionally feminine roles by an oppressive man. All right, I'll buy that. That could be a bridge too far, but yeah, it's there. It's there. It's fucking there. The next, so you see her then, like, so she's supposedly on vacation, mm-hmm. and then she shows back up when uh, Bruce is having the meeting with Max Shrek, and like, <laughs> God, dude, Christopher Walken has this amazing, like, that scene is so like. Bruce, shame on you. Like it's just- <laughs> <laughs> You forget the best part of that is the giant bodybuilder they got to put on a walking oh wig and my do a walking chip. I totally forgot about his son Chip. Okay, this guy No if- one who's a rich billionaire named Max Shrek names his son Chip. So his so just so if you guys want to this guy, I've never seen him in anything else besides any given Sunday. That's the only other movie I've ever seen him in. <laughs> In any given Sunday, he's like the metalhead dude who paints his face and throws an alligator in the shower when they're all in, the, in there. This is the only other movie I've seen him in, and he does the world's worst. Like I'm a terrible Christopher Walken impersonator. This is the world's worst. He's like, Dad, everyone's wet on Don Stars. <laughs> he sounds like, uh, what does a Tommy Wiseau? <laughs> <laughs> he sounds like Tommy Wiseau with marbles in his mouth. Like, Oh, hi, Dad. <laughs> It's really, it's pretty bad. The chip of it all. The chip of it all. Is chip is awesome. definitely the weakest link. <laughs> so she shows back. Then she shows back up in the meeting, and she's just like she's cutting loose. She's making she's making she's making wisecracks because earlier in the but movie she's, she's back in her costume. Yeah, that's she's officially in the costume too. You know what I like about that too is that she goes back to like the schlubby like, not schlubby. I don't think women are schlubby, right? No, that's a man thing. Disheveled. She's a disheveled, disheveled kind of like pantsuit wearing yeah. whatever. Uh, hair is a little mussy. But she's not wearing glasses anymore. Yeah. She's a little more but wily. You can tell she's obviously like more pasty, but that works for her. Yeah. There's something strange, right? And off. And I love the inversion of her and her costume meeting Batman in his costume, right? I've always said that Bruce Wayne's the costume. Yeah, Batman, for sure. Right. Um, there's something really fucking cool about that. Well, and he's but like, what you see is that his is like a functional yeah. thing. Hers hers is slipping. Yeah. Hers is oh, slipping no. really She bad. is like she's like a she's a cracked mirror. He's literally just like he's a he's split in half. She's like a cracked mirror. Yeah. Like she doesn't know how far she can push it yet. And that's what's cool about the whole thing is she the whole time is just like ebbing and flowing with That it. is a question I have with the movie though. Why does she go back to work? I think what's, her, what's her goal in that moment? I mean, obviously, to me, I'm like, once you break open the box, right? Right. Like, why is she stuffing it back in? Like, I, she also doesn't do anything to really give it to Shrek. Like, there's still a couple moments in that movie where Catwoman, like, that's to me. I just think her arc is more messy than Penguins, right? It's definitely. I don't well, know yeah, what. I agree. Besides, obviously, like, you know, the rage. And whatever. No, no, of course. Why does she ever fucking pretend to be Selena Kyle again? She's not getting a paycheck. Like, when she goes back to Shrek's office, like. They're not still giving her a paycheck, are they? And does she even need one? She's stealing everything. Well, here's the thing. That's the only time she's... Is that the only scene she's back in the office, though, right? Other than that, she's Catwoman almost the whole time. Other no, than there's we- another scene where she's like out shopping. There's a scene where she's having a date with Bruce, and then she's at no, that No, no, I mean, I, mean I mean at Shrek. Oh, at Shrek's office. That's uh, the only other time we've ever seen Yeah, her that Shrek's might be office. the only time she goes So maybe right. she's just got some unemployment built up, and she's just living off... She's just Catwomaning off that. I don't know. Like... <laughs> I think she goes back. Why can't though? you go back to work, ma'am? Got thrown out of a fucking building and chewed on by cats. <laughs> now I'm crazy as fuck. Sign your name. It's <laughs> the best unemployment story yeah. I've ever heard. Sign the name. She, I think she goes back just to, I think it's mainly just to fuck with him and just say, hey, nice try. And just, You think that's it? I do, because in the scene, he like tries to like, please don't tell Bruce Wayne that I fucking threw you out a window. Right. Like, also, there's also this thing. Also, Max Shrek, you're a terrible murderer. Check and make sure the body's still there. Get rid of it. Like, what's wrong with you? He's not going to take an elevator from the 100th floor. That's like two minutes of it. Fine, then tell your dumb chip. Chip, go down. Max Shrek, she's like, all right, dad, no problem. (laughs) All right, dad. (laughs) Oh, Selena. (laughs) I did not do it. (laughs) But no, I I don't understand that point why she goes back. Maybe it's to stick it. I and think this, there is this like thing like him and Bruce are trying to do a deal. Yeah. I was like, maybe she's trying to supplant that also, but this, it feels like nothing more than what you were saying. Right. It's a set piece for Michelle Pfeiffer. Like, can you just go in there and fucking like act like you were about to burst at the scenes? Yeah. And it's great. It's, it's good. It's scene. fucking great acting on Michelle Pfeiffer's part. But to me, it just, 
I don't understand what Catwoman's doing for the rest of the movie. Because if you're going to go with the Pet cemetery, Catwoman, right? right? To me, just make her this, like, she's just coming to destroy and take, right? Like, that's what death is. It's the consumption of what we are. Right. right? So as she's taken more and more, like, I like that. Like, send her out as, like, this fucking night assassin, right? Using her sex appeal. I think like, the thing about her, though, is it's not about... It's about revenge on that. Like it's ever, it's about re- her coming back to me is much more about revenge on the Max Shreks of the world. Like her deciding to put on a costume is not about like, I can't let anyone see my face. It's about I'm putting on a costume to shock people into not fucking with me. See, I don't I think it's just like, she wants that. It's, it's a look at me, right? It's power. It's what you see. Like, cause you know, now it's like I go on Instagram or social media. All it is is look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at right. me. And this is even before that, right? Like this is her taking booty pics on Instagram or whatever the fuck. This is here I am. This is me asserting all of my femininity, right? right? This is who I've always wanted to be. This is who I should have been, but you rep- repress me. So now I'm like a damaged version of that. Well, so I think the Catwoman, if nothing else, is like drawing the fucking eyeballs in. I would say that, but then there's that scene with the mugger and the chick who, like, so she, and you don't, like, you see the horns in the background. This is what's cool is you see the horns in the background, and you're like, oh, fuck, Batman's going to stop a mugger. It's her. Yeah. She's like, hey. And then she's like, be gentle. It's my first time, and kicks the shit out of that guy. And, like, I remember as a kid, I'm like, oh, fuck, those little claws are scary as shit. And she, like, scratches dude. his face. Yeah. It's like, dude, that's that's a mark. Then... She does not let the girl off the hook, though. Like, the girl's like, hey, girl power, thanks for getting my back. And she just fucking grabs her face. She's like, you make it so easy. Yeah. Watch. Like, it's weird, right? It's, it's like this weird sort of psychosis. It's, if you put that, like, actually, what's her name? Margaret Atwood, who wrote The Handmaid's yeah. Tale, right? That's become this big, more important book now in the times we're in, right? right. She just wrote an op-ed about the the speed with which we're doing me too and mm-hmm. the acquisite accusations and destroying careers and stuff without due process and people are fucking killing her i'm like wait so now margaret atwood's not feminist enough yeah it's like, that's weird. the title i think is right am i a bad feminist and people are like yes you are fuck you right. and i was like jesus christ like and that is one of those moments right where michelle fiver she feels like this woman unleashed does turn back on another woman who is still playing the game and yeah. is fucking pissed. And she's just like, why are you playing this game? You want to know? I have another theory, too, <laughs> about why her claws are so scary. If I'm not mistaken, timeline-wise, <laughs> I think I saw this movie for the first time around the same time, maybe like fourth grade, <laughs> that I became aware of John Bobbitt. You remember <laughs> hearing about that for the first time? Yes. Like I remember being in fourth grade. And it was like a big fucking joke, right? Like yeah. Everyone talked. Like, the fact that fourth graders, <coughs> pardon me, were talking about John Bobbitt's wife cutting his dick off. Oh, yeah. I was like, why did I know about that? But it sent a psychic trauma through my body because I remember that was the first time where I was like, wait a sec, I can not have my dick? Oh, yeah. Like, I didn't even call it a dick. It's probably like a wee-wee or whatever back then. I didn't use it for anything, but I knew intrinsically. It's there. That this is a talisman of power, that this means everything <laughs> to me. It's all about this somehow, right? It's like the horrible man defense is like, no matter right. how smart we get or try to like past our worst beast of our nature, like right. it's always about the dick for us. Always. <laughs> it's our worst quality. And I remember as a young boy, it was my first experience with someone could chop my dick off and throw it away. And I'd have to keep living yeah. without a dick. And like in fourth grade, that just like fucking blew my mind. And I remember as a big joke, like, you know, you're going to get bobbited. And like we used to, it was like a big thing. It's a like, joke. It, it took was, over yeah. like a whole playground of like bobbit jokes. Right. And I think I remember seeing Catwoman for the first time. And as she's like taking men to task and has the claws, I think in my brain, I was like, those claws could cut your dick off. <laughs> like Catwoman's the kind of person that would cut your dick off. Absolutely. She and it scared to be honest, Catwoman did scare me. Oh, no. I was pretty young. And I, see, for me, it was not sexy at all. I was like, holy shit. I was much more terrified of the penguin. And I'll tell you why. You know what's weird? I wasn't. I'll tell you why, though. <laughs> it had nothing to do with his appearance or anything like that. It had to do with the fact, like, when he interrogates Max Shrek, it's one of those things where you become aware. Like, when he's like, what do you throw away? I put on my mantle. <laughs> and you're like, holy shit, I throw away a lot of important shit. And he's like... 
like he's whipping out uh, documents that he taped back together and some fucking EPA inspector's hand or some shit. That's scary as an adult where you're like, what the fuck? Right, but it's one of those things like you as a well, kid. Well, he has the hand, right, because right. Shrek killed the guy. Right, and even, that's but fucking even as a kid, I was like... That's brilliant writing. Yeah, like, that's, that's just That's great. fucking brilliant. I mean, it's just one of those things. You know things, what always like, worried me about really the cool. penguin? What actually most unsettled me about him was I was like, why is he always stained? Oh, yeah. he had like a stained shirt in like weird places. Like on his back shoulder was like a coffee stand. Like, how does coffee get back there? I actually even thought- as a little kid, I was really not okay with like just people being uncleanly in general. Right? Like, and the fact that the penguin was always stained right. bugged me. Where I don't know if in my brain I'm like, does he have a mom to do this or what the fuck? <laughs> I think what was, but it, if you watch it today. What bothers me most about the penguin is that him and all of his cohorts and his clowns, all dirty. The gang of clowns is amazing. It's great. They're so fucking good. It's classic Burton and it works really well in this movie. They're all wearing like some version of white that is super fucking stained. Again, it's this. He comes from austere beginnings. Yeah. And is, you know, soiled by the betrayal. Right. And I'm like, I get it. But it fucking pisses me off. I can't stand watching stain. It's like when you watch a Rob Zombie movie and all these slobs, you're like. Yeah. Just get a new wife beater. Yeah. Like, God. <laughs> it drives me nuts There's, about the penguin. <laughs> speaking, of, speaking of the gang, by the way, for all you people who bitch about Batman and the new movies, like killing people and stuff, watch that fucking movie. He had, he killed several people in that oh, yeah. gang. Like, he full-blown, like, gruesomely murdered people, by the way. How about when he <laughs> has he, he has the most useless device ever on his Batmobile, <laughs> the Batmobile right? Thing. The, giant, bring the giant hydraulic press <laughs> that is used to actually lift the Batmobile and you know, because that's faster and more convenient of than just doing, like, just doing a four-point four turn. turn yeah. <laughs> and then there's a guy who's a devil behind him blowing, right. uh, you know, blowing fire, yeah. flammable liquid out of his mouth. It's fire breather. Yeah. Batman's like, why don't I turn on my jet engine and just burn this whole <laughs> fucking guy? And then I believe he falls backwards into falls a sewer. Falls backwards and the sewer, like, explodes. Batman would be better person if that guy dies. If yeah. that guy doesn't die, <laughs> Batman is the worst person who's ever lived. <laughs> Because that is just like a brutal, brutal fucking murder. He tripped uh, he tripped stilt walkers and probably paralyzed them. Like, he did yeah. horrible things in that movie. Well, Batman always, like, there's a lot of Batman, like, maiming, right? Right. Like, that one, that rumor, though, he definitely killed that that's guy. A definite that's 100% a definite 100% murder. And there's actually, there were one or two more where I was like, oh, that's a murder. Yeah. Like, I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but there was some scenes with Batman and were, his violence in this where I was like, that's definitely there are a couple where he like also, killed someone. He essentially murdered the penguin. Yeah. He got the penguins, the rocket penguins. Again, that's just another like Te- great Burton thing. Like technically he Okay, you can bring technicalities in. Sure. It. But he did it for sure. His hands aren't covered in blood, but his heart is. Oh, for sure. He essentially was like, "Here you fat fuck who can't walk." Dude. Like <laughs> Also, I love that that movie wants me to allow the fact that the penguin shaped like a peanut M&M can actually like do fisticuffs with Batman for a while. God, man. Also, yeah, Batman essentially kills the his, Also, I think this is the great part about this movie too, is his poignant death at the end is so like the penguins. Yeah. The penguin in general, right? Like I love the gang and the look. I love the giant rubber ducky. You're like, where the fuck does that come? Like just, if you break that down for 10 seconds, like how does that exist? Yeah. Why does that exist? Who's the mechanic for that? It doesn't work, but it doesn't matter. It's his beautiful addition to this fairy tale world, right? Yeah. And I love, <laughs> but also we kind of skipped like the biggest best part about this movie, which is the penguin is by far the most sinister villain that's ever okay. been in a comic we, book. We movie. started talking about the uh, we started talking about the gang, but I did want to talk about his like the master plan is the most heinous I have ever seen in a movie, like absolutely bar none. But this is the thing. The Penguin's not like, I want to rule the city. I want to take over the world. Uh, I want a bunch of money. His only goal in this movie is he's going to fucking murder yeah. all of the he's firstborn t- children of God. He's, he's a gonna, plague. He's going to 10th plague them. Yeah. Like, it's crazy. And he, he uses all of this as a ruse just to get those names, distract people, so that then he can send his gang out. Right. And, like, they have these little circus cars, like... You used to see it looks like the animal cracker box. That's right? exactly that's what where it is. they used to keep animals it's and draw them around dude. to put fucking children in. He would it, send these creepy ass clowns in and carnies. Like they're not even clowns, all of them. They're just carnies. Yeah. 
to fucking put children in these things, bring them back. We're presumed. I don't even know how he planned on killing them. If they said, I don't know if it was gas or he was going to like slit their throats. I think he's just going to drown them. Just fucking jerk off in their blood or what. But I was oh, like, God, there's nothing the penguin can do the rest of the movie where I'm like, that's too far. No, yeah. like he's going to murder his plan of murdering the how first big is Gotham. How many people is that? He's going to murder what? Like at least a thousand kids. Oh, that is like the low end. I mean, he murdered. Well, I was just saying like, Presumably, I don't know how many of those train cars they right. had. Like how many Goonies he. Had. I like. It. I like. I like oh, when he Goonies. <laughs> Goons. <laughs> I would love a movie where it's just Mikey and Data. Get over here! And they're just gutting little children. God. <laughs> Data's like, no, I'm here to help you. <laughs> the teeth fly out of his jacket and murder. It's fucking. Yeah, it really is like the most sinister. It's the most. It's it's literally just a fuck you to an entire world and culture. Oh, for sure. There's no the Joker or the Penguin has no benefit. He doesn't commit that plan and then he's better off or no. has an escape plan. This is truly just he's just he salted. Wants to do something terrible. Like it's despicable. It's there's not. I mean, think about all the other plans and all the other like Marvel even, and DC movies. They all kind of have this generic like we're gonna take something right. over. Like not even the that. dark. Like not even the Joker Dark Knight one comes close to this. Dude. This is horrific when he blows up that hospital you're like there could be a lot of innocence yeah but it's not as pointed right no. this is the difference this the is Joker's like entire thing in that nolan movie is uh i want to be pure chaos right even though he's like the most meticulous planner yeah which is so still weird to me the penguins is so fucking hyper specific yeah and it targets not the parents but the innocents specifically that it's it's just Fucking it's pretty truly heinous. repulsive. It's pretty great. And to me, it's like that's what separates that movie. I agree. Me. It makes it that much darker. And I think that's kind of where. Well, and this is, you know, production notes going forward. Like they wrote a di very different movie than the one they shot. Like the first version of that movie had Two-Face in it again and like Robin. Huh. All kinds of stuff. Yeah. I mean, and that's sort of like what's interesting is that the movie that, that you got. I can't imagine it being I can't imagine them making a better movie than the movie we got. Because especially for the time, that was such a fascinating and despic it's a despicable plot. It's a fascinating look at these characters. And then on top of that, like, it takes place at Christmas. Like, yeah. you're doing a lot Think of these aesthetic the things. But it did come out in the summer. It that did come out in the thing. summer, which is very strange. <laughs> Think about this, right? So you're coming off this mega hit of Batman, right? Right. What's the big driver on that? Kids... Parents having to take their kids, all the merchandise. Like, I remember, like, the Pizza Hut shit. Like, oh, yeah. it was, it took over everything. I was at the right age where you're like, I was so marketed to for oh, that. Oh, for Batman, sure. Right? It was me. So you, you do all of this, and then to go to them and be like, now this one. Right. We're going to have this mutant guy who wants to murder kids. We're going to have this hyper-sexualized woman who wants to castrate every man in the world. Right. Um. It's just insane. You're like, how the fuck did they push that through? It's insane. I don't understand how possibly you could make a movie like that and it be Batman that you know is for children. Like, Tim Burton literally just said, fuck you to the studio. I imagine sitting in that theater with my mom and dad had that happened at dinner right. and watching, like you said, that poignant death scene, right? Where the penguin is comes out of the water bleeding, just yeah. fucking like black, black ooze. ooze. He oh. falls down, again, staining himself, Bob. Right falls down and the penguins come waddling out and they march him to a water grip. There's a lot of weird like psychic bond between the evildoers and animals. Yeah. And they just walk him into that fucking watery grave. My dad and mom, I don't think would have sat in the theater. I no. think we would have been leaving that. Oh, theater. for sure. I don't even think we would have made it that far, but that would have been a line. But it's too far. so poignant. But the fact that they got that movie out is still it's pretty amazing. such a fucking Herculean feat. To it's me. awesome. Yeah. I think it's just, and yeah, like really pay it like man, if you have if you haven't seen it in a while, really pay attention to Michelle Pfeiffer in the movie cuz she has some of the most like relevant. She has some of the most like now socially relevant moments I've seen in a long time. Dude, how about her at the end just getting to fucking kiss Shrek with the fucking taser and the electric That was so cool. It was just like, what? The After he fuck? like shoots her like four times and she's like Two lives left. Yeah. Oh. And just the beautiful, like, you know, visual storytelling of this journey has destroyed yeah. her, right? Well, like, that, she like, was clearly already a pet cemetery zombie. Right. Right? A really attractive one who's sexualized, but still. But it's and then it's this 
coming full circle of her self-destructive journey right, yeah. and destroying him. It that's, was, it was fucking cool. I think that's man. what's great too, is that movie, <laughs> that scene, like the precursor to that is she shows up and is like going to stop. She's going to stop. And like, she's going to stop Bruce from killing Shrek, even though Batman was never going to do that. He was like, I'm going to take you to jail. And she's yeah. like, he's not going to jail. You know that he'll fuck. And that's another thing is like, she, she tells him like, he can't go to jail because you know, he'll get out of it. Like you gotta know, and then he's like, "Come with me, like, come back to the, uh, come back to the." She mansion. hangs the lantern on the biggest problem of all of Batman. What him is this? Oh. This never-ending turnstile of I'll put you in Arkham and right. you'll get back out, and everyone's gonna die. <laughs> exactly, and she's like, "This is the deal." But I mean, and that's the other thing too is like, there's the Arkham of it all, but then the real thing to me was that he's a fucking corporate goon. He can buy his way out of this yeah. problem, and like that's what's crazy. And he puts up, and he does this very un-Batman thing where he rips the. He rips the uh, hood off, and he's yeah. like, come on. Like, Batman and love has always been very hard very, for me very to very problematic. Summer. I mean, now in the comics, they're yeah. engaged. Now it's for real. <laughs> Batman and Catwoman are engaged. But, like, so. she, he basically gives this, like, you know, we're the same. Like, we can help each other. Like, come with me to my place, and let's be together. She's like, actually, I'm, like, a rotting corpse and catch chew on me. So <laughs> Alfred's not going to like but me she as a has, <laughs> But she does this amazing thing where she literally says, I, I would love to be... She basically says, yeah, that'd be great if I could be a trophy right. wife, but I could not. She's like, I'd love to live with you, but I cannot live with myself if I let me you become You can't that. be Bruce Wayne's wife and still yeah. be what she's become. Exactly. Right? And she's like, no, I'm a monster and I need to finish what I started. And that's what's so cool about it. And she's like, I am going to go out the way I came in. But this is what's crazy, right? This whole conversation. I don't think we talked about Batman at all. No. He's just there. He's just, he's, he's literally a background character. Like they have Batman in the movie so you can have. Oh, here's uh, the clowns coming. Batman's going to punch a couple of them. Right. Batmobile. We'll have the bat ski in the sewer because that'll be a cool tub toy. Yeah. Um, that, like, what's one of the lamest scenes in the movie? It's visually fun now. It's him and Penguin in that little car. Like, <laughs> that little car. Ah! And he's driving around. Bound, and it's just, it's visually very fun. Yeah. But to but me, it's, it's, everything about that scene is annoying and I what hate it. What it does is. It exists only as a set piece to put Keaton and Batman in peril yeah. that they can escape. What it does is justify the toy that came out, which was the disassembled Batmobile. Yeah. It turns into like a torpedo or something. Yeah. Like that's what it is. But see, this isn't even the internet age. I'm like, where the fuck did you get actual blueprints of the Batmobile? <laughs> like I remember when my dad used to design houses. So like I've seen actual blueprint right. paper. You're like, there's no fucking way. <laughs> and it's like, all right, fine. Again, like it's a movie where you have to stomach right. a lot and you shouldn't break it down too far. But to me, that's the thing. Like, every scene, the more you put Batman in the middle of this, the less any of it works. Right. Like, when it's just those two, right? Like, what's one of the best scenes in the movie, right? I know I probably said, this is the best scene. This, I still think the, the penguin at the tombstone is my favorite. But one of the other most memorable scenes is Catwoman and Penguin in his lair for the first time, right? Oh, yeah. Those two doing their tit for tat, you know, oh, I'll put your bird in my mouth. Oh, I'll put a knife to your cat's neck, like... The fucking dynamic and power of those two. You're like, now we're just doing a movie. Well, yeah. I feel like that whole movie could exist where Batman's literally only a shadow leaping over. Oh, for sure. As an adult. I'm sure for kids, they right. But they want you're the right, Batman though. Movie. Like, especially that scene, like that scene's so well played and so well cut and so well orchestrated because you have two great actors who are conveying <clears throat> conveying something that you. The thing you need to know about that is that there's nothing that's going to deter either of them from their plan. Like, that's what's cool, is that that scene really is about Catwoman and the Penguin deciding, like, well, we can we can figure out a way to destroy Batman. Like, destroy... like, And he wants to actually destroy Batman. She wants to destroy people's visage of, like, this great white knight hero kind of thing. Like, I think that's what's awesome about that. And then, obviously, the bird stuff is really cool, too. Like, it's just cool. And like, then he's like, you're just the pussy I'm looking for. Yeah. There, but again, this is what I mean. I watch that movie and you're like, there's no fucking way. Not a chance. My mom and dad would have let me sit through that in a theater. Well, there's also like, that. It's impo uh, it's, I can't believe that's the movie they made. And I'm, I'm really glad for it to this day. The thing I think is fun about the movie, too, is, again, besides, like, Batman is just truly inconsequential. Because I don't really think the Penguin or Catwoman actually give a fuck about Batman in this movie. No. I think other than, well, he kind of got in our way and that sucks. But really, that's all they want to do. Like you said, like they have a thing, right? And yeah. they're on their mission. And Batman's kind of, but that's the thing. Batman in this movie doesn't have a goal. 
His goal is to stop them in a his generic goal is to, way. His goal is always generically to save invested. Gotham. He's not invested. Like he doesn't though. have a kid. No, he's not worried about like his like, in, his <laughs> investment. His investment is Selena Kyle, and like the Selena Kyle yeah. investment also comes full circle in that party scene where they both realize that they are who they are. I guess that's not true though, right? Because Batman always is invested anytime there's a crime. He's invested. So I'm not. He's I'm invested not, in Gotham, but it's a generic investment. Like, of course, Batman's invested in Gotham. This is his city. He wants right. to protect. I think it. what I was trying to say and get at is that Michael Keaton plays a seemingly unmotivated version of this character. Yeah. Where to him, it's like, I can probably just wait this thing out. Well, it's, it's, <laughs> well, it's kind of like, it's interesting because it's kind of the beginning of the movie right there. Like it's in a nutshell, kind of what the deal is. His motivation is Gotham because the signal goes up and like the redirectors go into like the man. And what a great, like what a great set piece too. He's like just sitting in a dark study just doing nothing, seemingly. Just sitting there, turtleneck and chain. Turtleneck, dude. That turtle, he that turtleneck game for him is just. I will say this: I was a hardcore turtleneck guy. So, when I when I I started. So was Michael grade, Keaton's Bruce Wayne. I started sixth grade, and I was like, you know how I'm going to turn this thing around for myself? Turtlenecks, turtlenecks, and fucking pullover deep V sweaters. Oh, nice. Over it. Oh, with wow. like Dockers every day, no tennis shoes. I probably look like every like. Old ass social studies accountant. teacher. Yeah, like I looked exactly like my teachers. Turns out that was the year of like tool and corn shirts and Jinko. Yeah. Uh, so didn't go well for me. No. Wow, well, you don't say. <laughs> and I don't know that Michael Keaton's directly to blame, but, but I can't think of anyone else who is more of a turtleneck <laughs> icon. He's just like, but he's sitting there in the study. It's dark, and then the redirect light comes through, and you see like the yeah. bat signal blast over him, and he stands up. But therein lies. That encapsulates the entire source of his motivation in the movie. Is like, oh, Gotham's in trouble. All right, cool. Like, yeah. even in the comics, when we read the comics, he never sits one out. He's like, eh, fuck it. I'll just let GCPD take care of it. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's the thing, right? Is every time, every night, he's afraid there could be another Bruce Wayne. So he he is invested. It's just Keaton plays him so unengaged. He this. plays him a little aloof. I'll give you that. Yeah. And it just it kind of bugs me. And, like, him and Selena's romance in this, like, I don't remember a romance with less chemistry, maybe ever. Is is Michelle Pfeiffer is literally just fucking pouring sexuality on everything right. and every set and out of the TV onto me all these years later. Michael Keaton seems to be like the only guy on the island of Dry Spot. Where like, <laughs> oh, she's attractive. I, I don't know. I guess she's attractive. It's fine. I mean, I've got Alfred in the house. No, I see. It. <laughs> I see it subtly, but there's a lot like that first scene though. They're like watching tv and they're actually like they're accidentally like oh my scars like that whole thing you're like okay this is just <laughs> i'm dry what's going on here i'm telling you that movie works best the more you pull batman out of it it's true absolutely and i don't know many other superhero movies you can say that i don't think there are maybe none yeah i don't know apparently that's how the new spawn's gonna play so i'm excited for that cool but uh yeah like that's the weird thing like this one, I can't believe it became this. I can't believe it was like, you know, because for a mostly child audience. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. In the middle of the summer when we're all out of school and right. want to go to these things. If you want a great example. I, of, I can't believe this is what we got. If you want a great example of like where it was going and why it was veered off into Schumacher land. Tim Burton. Tim Burton made a Tim Burton movie. And then they realized, OK, we can't have him make any more franchise. Well, <laughs> they're like. It's too hypersexualized and scary for children. We'll get this Joel Schumacher guy. And then they're like, now we're going to have all the sex and none of the story. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, that's really what fact, it is. Like, what would, if you were to like kind of pontificate out, right? Like just do a thought experiment. Right. What do you think a Burton movie would have looked like with the Joker and the Riddler? The joke? You mean Two-Face? Two, it was Two-Face and the Riddler. Sorry. Yeah. Right. What did I say? You said the Joker. Yeah, forget that. I mean, to me, like, there's a, been a lot of presupposing on this as well, by the way. There was actually, for a while, uh, Kevin Quinones, who's a guy who's done a lot of the um, he's done a lot of the covers for the Howard the Duck book for Marvel. He was, for a long time, trying to pitch DC on a Burtonverse comic, which I still think should be done. Oh, man, that'd be cool. Which I think would be awesome. So there's been a lot of talk Why about this. not? I think it's a great idea. It's a great Elseworlds thing. Why would you, Why wouldn't you do, do that? that? I think it'd be so much fun. Why would you not print any book that we'd all just buy? Why would you do that? And why would you do Batman 66 and not that? Neither here nor there. But like <laughs> what I would say is 
if you were going to do one of those, I think the main focus, if Burton was going to keep going, he would have made it a little darker. Probably would not have happened at Christmas. I don't think he could have gone darker than that one. I mean, darker in the sense of like, because I think the story of, I think the story of Two-Face is really his wheelhouse. Like, that's why I think he probably would have taken, and I also, he definitely wouldn't have recast. It would have been Billy D. Williams, which would have been pretty cool. And very, for the time, for the 90s, Pretty progressive. Like, Billy D. Williams was only Lando Calrissian at that point. Mm. Imagine a Billy he D. Williams. He was a Colt 45 guy. Yeah. Imagine Billy D. Williams being Or was fucking, it old E? I thought he was Colt 45. Doesn't matter. <laughs> but imagine Billy D. Williams, like, now knowing that he would he was fucking Two-Face. Like, there's wow. some pretty intense shit there. I think they would have made that. And I never really hated... I never really... I mean, look, it's hammy as shit, and it's fucking Jim Carrey. I never hated the beginning of the Edward Nygma story. When I grew up, as it went further, was stupid. Me and all of my people from like my time and location. Yeah. Like Jim Carrey can't do any wrong to us. No, exactly. He's like one of my, that's exactly why you cast him in that role. For sure. I don't think he played the Riddler as the Joker, right? Yeah. Like we've all, and I don't want to do well, too he, much on this movie because we're going to do this movie right. eventually. He did the Riddler but, as the, the Cesar Romero Joker. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, I would love to know. I'm trying to think of other Burton movies I've seen, like what we would have gotten, right? Ooh, I, you know, I don't like, think they would have cast Jim Carrey. I think he would have asked to have Johnny Depp. Oh, I think Johnny Depp would have been the Riddler, too, for, for sure. sure. But then it's like, do you get the Mad Hatter version of him? Or I, the, the Riddler is a really hard character to pull off. Uh, At that time, he had done, he had just, let's see, he would have done Edward Scissorhands, and then they would have gone back and done the next Batman movie. Yeah. Michael Keaton would have been there still. I think that Johnny Depp would have been the Riddler, and I'm trying to think how. I, I think he would have done it pretty creepy, actually. Yeah. I think he would have done it like the way the Mad Hatter is in the cartoon. Because in the cartoon, the Mad Hatter is basically a sexual offender. To me, I like, I like a version of the Riddler, right, where he can't, he can't function among us. Yeah, he sees everything as a piece of a puzzle, this and that. So there has to be kind of an aloofness, but. He's hard. Like see, I've the always new Tom King run. They make him like super tough guy with a ponytail who also is like the like way insane smart. Right. Like stupid amounts of smart. That doesn't make sense to me all the time. I always it doesn't make sense. The other way. Like the Riddler's I like, really hard. So I, I like think Jim the, Carrey takes a lot more flack than he should. I always like the no. And I'm fine with the way the Riddler is in the movie. Like yeah. it is what it is. Like it's a Joel Schumacher movie and there's no way around it. I've always liked the version that they put forth in the uh animated series which is this sort of guy with a superiority complex yeah there's a lot of that and then the version of him in hush is really interesting too yeah like the version of him in the long halloween is really lame like he's just kind of like basically a joke teller but i really like the version of him in hush because he sort of has that same bat animated series thing where he's got his superiority complex is the thing that's the coolest part about him in the comics i feel like burton would have done much better with two-face like that's what i would have well that i think would have been the actual movie like remember in the in the in the schumacher movie it's like an afterthought of what happened i think it would have been the two-face story it would have been interesting like for me the two villains i want to see burton have taken on that we got would be two-face and mr freeze Yes. Like, I think he would have done a glorious Mr. Freeze. I think he would have, too. Like, if I, I could pick one of the four that we got after, it would be Mr. Freeze. I think if you look at what Paul Dini did with Heart of Ice, that's pretty much probably what Tim Burton would have done. And I think there's yeah. a lot of that that's inspired by the Burtonness of it all. Yeah. I mean, team, and not to take anything away from Paul Dini, like, he's a great writer in his own right. But I think there's a lot of that. Yeah. So, I don't, I don't know. know, man. I thought it was such a fucking... I just think... I it's still, to this day, movie, man. It's, it's ballsy as fuck. It's... It's beautiful beyond reproach. Yeah. And it's just one of those, like, I still, to this day, always look to that movie, and I'm like, we can have these comic book movies, and that's as outlandish and absurd a movie as exists. Absolutely. And it still has a lot of fucking heart and brain food in it. And I think, I always look back to that, and I'm like, man, I can't believe we were lucky enough to get it and hope that we get more like it. I love that. I fully movie. agree. I think it's the one that all superhero movies should be aspiring to be like uh, in for, in terms of artistic integrity and, you know, not really in like, you know, your tone's your own, but take the fucking. Take, uh, yeah, I don't take, want someone trying to do Burton. No, I don't either. <laughs> really just like I really think like when you're making a superhero movie, you got to take the bull by the horns and you have to be passionate about the story you're telling. And I think a lot of the time 
it's sort of the same way we were talking about with RoboCop. Like, it's the passion you feel for the project. Yeah. And clearly... Big, for, big note. The for, big takeaway. Don't fucking underdo your villain. No. The That's vi- what this movie The villain is awesome. The it's villain the has to be the star it's of the, the show. It's the fucking best. Because the, the hero will always endure. The villain's got to be the thing, though. Yeah. You've got to make that villain the uh-huh. reason I'm going to the theater. Yeah. It's true. I'm with you. Go see Batman Returns. I think it's on Netflix right now. Yeah, they're all on Netflix. Just popped up. They all are? All oh, great. That's what someone told me. The Batman Quadrilogy, then, is on Netflix. Yeah. So hopefully you already watched it before you uh, joined us on this. I hope so. If not, you've probably already seen it in the past. And enjoyed the feminine mystique of Michelle Pfeiffer. We'll be coming back with more long box and chills. So, yeah, you can send us requests, anything you want. Yeah, please. This is a new setup. We might take it in weird directions, too. Yeah. We got a lot of comic book movies, but there's, like, some really weird shit I want to force you to see. Yeah, there's definitely a Howard the Duck in the future. For sure. That should just be obvious. (laughs) The best. Uh, (laughs) For the long box sessions, I'm Alex. And I'm Josh Grimmie.